this whole healthy living series, okay, is all about going back to the basics, the Bible, the Word of God, our mirror, what we look into and how we see who we are and whose we are. So it's all about going back to the basics to understand and discover what it looks like in Christ to live out full, abundant, healthy lives. How many of you want that? Come on, don't be shy. I want it. Well, you can have it. And here's the thing is, in Christ, we can have healthy living spiritually, emotionally, relationally, financially. Can I get an amen? Who needs that? <laughs> and physically, we can have healthy living, and it only comes through understanding who we are in Christ and whose we are. Do you remember a time in school, maybe high school, maybe junior high, some of you are living it right now, when the teacher's kind of just going through their lesson, and they just stop mid-sentence, and they say, <clears throat> class, <clears throat> class, stop, class, you may want to pay attention, <clears throat> you may want to write this down, class, hello, class, you may want to remember this, because you might see it on the <coughs> final <coughs> exam. Some of you remember that. <laughs> I do, and I didn't listen, and my report card showed it. <laughs> and so we have an opportunity today in our Healthy Living series as we enter into a new sub-series of Healthy Living. This will be on the final exam. When we stand before the Creator, the judge righteous, holy judge over all. This will be measured. If you loved God and you get the vertical right, church, I'm here to tell you that you can get the horizontal correct. You can get the one another's, which we're going to focus on for the next three weeks. There is a reason, and it's not by mistake, that we have been going through the last six weeks in the book of Ephesians and hammering out Matthew 6, verse 33, which says this, Jesus speaking to us. He says this, seek ye, let's try it again, 10 of you, seek ye, now we'll get 90%, ready? Seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. That's the vertical, that's the alignment we need. If your vertical alignment is out of alignment, Everything else is out of place. I've heard that so many times from my chiropractor, and I believe it. When your vertical is out of alignment, everything else, your marriage, will be out of alignment. Your parenting will be out of alignment. Your self-control and your patience and your joy and your, your love and your endurance and your gentleness and your faithfulness will all be out of line. So the vertical creates the horizontal. And so this is why we are pounding this the next three weeks and beyond. Because we're going to cover now, once the vertical's in line, then we can have the relationships. Then we can have the healthy finances. Then we can have the healthy emotions. And we can even make healthy choices to have healthy bodies because we're in alignment. But if that vertical alignment is out, 
everything else will be impacted in negative and unhealthy ways. You see, if our foundation isn't right, if our foundation is not right, church, then everything else will not be right. And we've seen the building blocks the last six weeks spell out basics to remind us that it's all about the basics. Gentlemen, this is a football. Ladies, this is a volleyball. Church, this is the Word of God. Go back to the basics to find who we truly are and our identity, especially in a world that is adopting and making laws and making acceptance to wherever you want to find your identity, go ahead. That's the culture we live in, and it's nothing new. We see that even in biblical times. It just looks a little different. But here, we have the foundation in God's holiness and his love. For while we were yet sinners, God sent his son to die for you. His agape love is so unconditional for you, it doesn't matter what you've done. He already knows that. It doesn't matter of who people think you are. He sees his son because he sent his son Jesus for you. So we are grounded in our true identity of who we are. Do you know that if you believe, just like these people who were just baptized, that Jesus came and died for you and he covers your sins and he has forgiven you, that you are chosen and you are adopted child into the kingdom of God. Does anybody understand that? Because here's the thing. Our foundation has to be grounded in who we are in God. It has to be. And so every follower of Jesus, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, you have this in common with everybody else. We do. We have a unique commonality as Christians, and it's this. We're grounded in our identity as sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's the one commonality that we have. Second commonality is we are building our life on the foundation, the only true foundation that will never waver, that will never falter, will never crumble, will never fail, is Jesus Christ, the Bible calls him the cornerstone for a reason. So when we're grounded in our identity and we're building our life on Jesus, the one who will never leave us or forsake us, the one who will never fail, he is the same today, today, uh, from today and yesterday. He is God. Are you with me? So we're grounded in our identity and as child and children of God. We are grounded in the love of Christ and we are building our lives on the solid foundation. And here's where it gets a little dicey. I think a lot of Christians would agree with these two. But a lot of Christians wouldn't even understand what the Holy Spirit is, let alone that the Holy Spirit lives inside them. If you are a genuine believer in Jesus Christ, you have died to your sin and you have risen in life, in new life in Christ, the Bible calls you a new creation. How are you a new creation? You see, the blood of Jesus that forgives us and the atonement, the death on the cross that Jesus did for us, comes and washes us anew only by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, if you are a true follower of Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Permanent residence. Now, the experience depends upon you of how you allow the Holy Spirit 
to move and activate and have control in your life. But if you are a follower of Christ, he's there. He will never leave. A permanent residence. How you allow him to lead and fill your life is how you learn surrender. So we're built on God's love. We're built on the cornerstone and salvation of Jesus Christ. We are marked and sealed by the Holy Spirit. By the way, Romans 9, uh, 8, verse 9, look it up. It says that we are no longer in the flesh. We are in the Spirit. How do we know that? Because the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you. And it says, if you don't have the Spirit of God, you don't belong to God. If you don't have the Spirit, you need to come back to the cross and start with the love of Jesus. Be transformed from your sin to newness of life and receive the Holy Spirit. Transform. Now, what's this word say? Good job, class. One. One Spirit. Ephesians 4. One Jesus. One God. Vertical alignment. When you are in line in your spiritual health, guys, nothing is impossible. Nothing. Your emotional health, your financial health, your physical health, and what we're going to focus on today is relational health. So when we get the loving God with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our soul, you know what that means? All. When you are putting Christ first, in every area of your life, you have vertical alignment. And guess what happens? The love one another happens. Happens. The love of Christ that is in you has to come out. You put the world in, the world is coming out. And so that's why vertical alignment is so important. When we get the vertical right, Everything falls into place. When we are connected to the Father's heart, when we are connected and grounded in the new life in Christ, and when we are walking in the Spirit in us and through us, we become open conduit where God can operate freely in and through us. And guys, that is what an explosive church looks like. That's what an explosive son or daughter in Christ looks looks like and if you want that for your life get vertical get vertical baby get vertical and then the horizontal comes through the power of the spirit the fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness faithfulness and self-control that's the one and others that's everything else and so in other words when our vertical is healthy Everything else is healthy. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then everything will then be added. Come on, people. You play Jenga. You builders, you guys you, that, that use your hands to build, you know this. If things aren't vertical and in alignment, it ain't going to be a solid structure. And so, today starts week one of three weeks of healthy relationships. We all need them. I'm not just talking about marriage. I'm not just talking about your workplace. I'm talking about your neighborhood. I'm talking about your family, your immediate family, and your distant family that we all love so dearly. And I'm talking about the one another's. 
And so next week, Pastor Daniel is going to talk about our roles in loving and submitting to one another and what that looks like. And then the third week, I'm going to talk about a curse word in our culture called forgiveness. It's a curse word in our culture because we run away from it. But you cannot do the one another's and live in unforgiveness. Some of you need to be here in two weeks, including myself. So today as a church, today as a church, and if you're taking notes, you have sermon notes, hopefully with your handout, please make this your own. Go download the iPhone app and listen to the message and let it go down deep and change you and transform you through God's spirit. Today as a church, when we get the vertical right, as a church, we're going to understand the power that we have as a church and our purpose as a church in the one another's, okay? But as we operate in the vertical as a church, we will begin to operate as a church that God designed to live out and to function, to be the light of the world and to be the body of Christ to one another and those around us. Would you pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, there is power. And I thank you for the freedom in our lives. I thank you for the four uh, Brian and Dustin and Amy and Anthony that just got baptized, I ask that you would just change them something fierce and something radical, that the love that you have poured out into their hearts would just boil over. Father, I give you this message. This is yours. Speak to our hearts. Get us aligned with you. Speak to us, Father. May the scales fall off and all the distractions just melt away at the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. So we're going to look at three points today. Some of them, a couple of them are going to be very quick. I would really encourage you to take notes uh, if you are a note taker. Um, it's so easy to uh, forget after we leave uh, what God is speaking to us. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Tiffany, go ahead and put that back up if you don't mind. We are looking at the greatest commandment of all time. And Jesus even says this. This is the greatest two commandments. And so I think it's worth us listening and really starting to apply this and understanding what God is calling us to as a church. Jesus says to love God, and we just talked about it, so I'm not going to go on and on about it. To love God with all that is within you. Seeking him first and putting him first in the central place of your life. Take a minute and just take an inventory. Where is God the first? The first thing you think about, the first resort you run to. When anxiety and worry hits or when you look at your Discover card, uh, uh, credit card and you see that uh, you have unpaid bills or you see that there are mistaken accidental purchases on your credit card, what do you do? Do you run to Jesus? Is he your first? When you make decisions with your finances, is he the first? What about your marriage? Is he the first? You're serving your spouse because he is the first thing and his love has changed you? What about your workplace and your relationships there? What about even your work ethic? Are you working for the Lord or are you working to be seen? Are you working to just climb up the ladder? See, it says you have to love God first. That is the greatest commandment of all, is to put him first 
We have so many idols in our lives, guys. They have to crumble, and in order to get vertical, they have to come crumbling down. And then Jesus says this. So he says, love God with everything. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I want to stop there before we just skim over it and say, okay, that's great. We've got to love God. And then we love people as we feel and as the mood goes and as they treat us right now. We need to break this down and we need to look at this. Because when Jesus says the second is like it, what he is not saying is that it's less than the first. What he is saying is the, quite the opposite. He is saying that the second, loving others, is equal to the first, loving God, in its nature, in its importance, and in its value. It's just as important. You know why, why I believe that? And why I teach that is what does it say after it? On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. On these two that are equal in nature and character and value and power. Fulfill all the laws that God has ever required. Fulfill everything the prophets have ever declared as truth. I want to fulfill God's law. He says, love God, love others, and live a full, abundant life as I have loved you. So let me break that down, because I think we're a little confused. I know I was when I first read it. You see, when we are in healthy relationships with God, and we're healthy in relationships with others, these two commandments fulfill everything of the Christian life. It's essential. And if you want to be a part of the body of Christ, and you want to be declared as a child of God, you must love God, and you must love others. So these two commandments have to be present in your life. I'm not talking about perfection because we live in a human, sinful body. But because we are grounded in God and we're building our life on the cornerstone and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we can have this. Are you listening? Are you with me? 1 John 2, 3 through 6. If you have your Bible, turn to it and highlight it. Highlight it. Dog ear the page. Go back to it. If you have an app, our version app on our phone app, has ways you can highlight and uh, write notes. Look at this. This Talk about a zinger. Talk about being hit square between the eyes with a spiritual dart. Watch this. And by this, we know that we have come to know him. Do you know that word K-N-O-W does not mean head knowledge? It means an intimate relationship. Here's a freebie in the Old Testament. When someone would marry the other, it said they knew each other. I'll let you figure that out. So, <laughs> whoever says I know him, oh, excuse me, we have come to know him. So this, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. It's not me. I didn't say that. And the truth that sets you free is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. 
By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way that Jesus walked. Mic drop. Loving God and loving others is the main ingredient to be called a follower of Christ. This ingredient cannot be missed or substituted. You see, Jesus says, when you love me, and my love is in you, there will be fruit. So I ask you, where's the fruit in your life? Because you know what? Jesus said you will know the tree by its fruit. We as Christians will be known by our fruit. Not by how many times we go to church and how much we give to charities. We will be known by our love for one another. Romans 5 says this, it'll be on the screen, talking about our hope in Jesus. This vertical alignment that we have hope will never fail us at all does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Would you read that with me? And hope does not put us to shame. Come on. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. If you are in Christ, his agape, unconditional, all-powerful love lives in you through the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 5 says it this way, that if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, the love of Christ compels us if you are in Christ that love that was poured into our hearts controls us and compels us and so we can say that if the love of Christ is in us we should be seeing the fruit in our lives that means that you and I begin to love and value what Christ loves and values because the love of Christ is in you through the Holy Spirit. Hear that. That if Christ is in you and his love has been poured in you through the Holy Spirit, then his love controls you, your thoughts, your feelings, your actions. Where are you with that? So what does that look like, right? We saw the greatest commandment. We know, okay, we need to love God and love one another. So what does this look like? This is where we're going to go quick, y'all. Love defined. We need to define what love is and what Jesus is talking about here. So the definition of love, it will be on the screen, is this. Showing compassion, or shall I say compassionately and righteously seeking the well-being of another. That is love. Compassionately, righteously seeking the well-being of another with no strings attached. That's not our culture. <laughs> Whew, not our culture. It is a decision to love and seek the well-being of another. It is not a decision based on how we feel. Love is a decision not based by what you feel. Love is not equal to liking. Do you know that you can love people you don't like? I do. 
You all have people in your life that drive you crazy, that annoy the heck out of you, that treat you wrong, that speak trash about you at work, but you're called to love them. You're called to love. Love is not based on what a person has said or done to you. It is based on the unwavering, undeserved love of Jesus living inside of us. Want to know what this love looks like? We look at Philippians 2. And the verse that we just read a little bit ago, 1 John 2.6, says, walk in the same way as Christ Jesus. So now we're going to see the same way that Christ Jesus walked. Follow me with this. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having, what's this? The same love. Being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Guys, this is where this is where the pudding is right here. Can we go to the is it is there a next slide? There isn't, so I will continue to read. It says this, have the mind of Christ among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, that though he was in the same equal form as God, though he was God in flesh, he did not count that as equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't use that at his get-out-of-jail-free card. But what did he do? He humbled himself. He lowered himself. He became a servant. He was found in human form. And he humbled himself by what? Becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And the Apostle Paul is telling us to love one another as Christ did for you. D.L. Moody says, if we do not love one another, we certainly shall not have much power with God in prayer. So our greatest commandment is to love God and love one another. And we defined love as compassionately, righteously seeking the well-being of another. So now let's look with the remaining time. Let's look at what it means to be a church that does the one another's. Matthew 16, 18. I wish I could tell you the story. It was, it was just awesome. Lauren and I had a wonderful opportunity uh, about five years ago to go to Israel. And we were able to stand in this place in Judea outside of the city where Jesus was talking to the disciples by saying, hey, disciples, who, who, who do people say that I am? And what he was doing, he knows who he is. <laughs> he was checking to see what voices, remember last week for identity, we were talking about voices we believe about who we are. He's challenging and testing the disciples of the voices they're going to believe. And he says, Peter, who do you say that I am? And what does Peter say? You are the Lord. You are the Christ, meaning you are the Savior. And Jesus says this to Peter. He says, I tell you, you are Peter. And on this 
rock. I will build my church. Say my church. My church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we get all excited about this because the gates of hell is not going to you know, come against us. But we need to understand that through the hundreds of years in our country of translating the Greek to the English, we have lost the meaning of Jesus' words, my church. And I want to tell you about it. It's a Greek word that means gathering or congregation. Some of you are chuckling because you know where it's going. It's a gathering. It's a congregation. And during all this translation, with all the Latin influence and German influence, words got a little twisted with interpretation. And instead of ecclesia, meaning, meaning gathering or congregation, the German derivative word means church, gathering place, holy place, church building. There's a man named William Tyndall. William Tyndall is the man who first translated the New Testament in the 16th century from Greek to English. And when he was translating this passage in Matthew, where he's talking to Peter and says, on this rock I will build my church, William noticed that the word ecclesia did not mean what the German word meant of gathering place. And so what did William do? He translated the proper Greek to English, meaning ecclesia, gathering or people, or congregation. And so in the first, the very first English Bible, nowhere, nowhere in the New Testament does the word church show up. Nowhere. But everybody else from the Latin and the German did not like what William Tyndall was doing. It was sacrilegious and it was wrong. So guess what they did? They burned all the Bibles, burned them all. They arrested him. They strangled him and burned him on the stake. And from that moment to 2017, Ecclesia became church in the Bible. Now what I'm not saying is that what we're doing on Sunday doesn't count and doesn't mean anything because it does. It means a whole lot because the Bible talks about a gathering of people who are committed to Jesus, who are seeing baptisms, who are worshiping one another, loving one another, serving one another. That is so important. But church, church, please get this. Why am I even calling you church anymore? People, brothers, sisters, get this, get this. Jesus didn't predict a gathering place. He predicted a people. And he longs for us to get the one another's. It's a gathering of people who reflect and display Christ by their love for one another. John 13, 34 through 35. Are you with me? A new commandment I give to you, Jesus speaking, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Now get this, get this. Take a picture with your phone on the screen. Please do that. By this, 
all people will know that you are mine. And now I'm going to step on your toes, but I'm going to gladly step on your toes. You are not identified in Christ by how many times you come to church here at Elevation. You are identified by your love. You are not identified as a follower of Christ by how much you give to the church and how much you give to the exchange and how much you give to all different charities. It does not matter how many times you serve at church, how many things you do this. It does not matter. What matters is your love. doesn't matter how spiritual you are. Sure, you speak in tongues. That's great. Sure, you speak prophecy and you, you, you have a healing ministry. That's awesome. But if you don't have love, that's nothing. It's nothing but annoying, aggravating noise to the, the, the streets of heaven. We need love. Jesus says, by this, everyone will know that you are mine. The primary activity, get this, I'm almost done. The primary activity of the early church in Acts was all marked by the one anothering, one another. Let me say that again. The early church was marked not by anything else, but how they one anothered one another. All they had was their compassion and love for Jesus Christ and one another. They had a heart in the spirit of joy. They were marked by their joy. And they were marked by their generosity. Sound like what Jesus is talking about? You can find that in Acts 2. But here's what one another, shall I say, here's what, what, what <laughs> one anothering one another looks like. Forgive one another. We're going to talk about that in two weeks. Accept one another. Care for one another. Encourage one another. Submit to one another. On and on and on. But do you notice if you take the first letter of each phrase, what do you get? Faces. This is cool. I wish I made it up, but I didn't. Because the Word of God says it. Ephesians 5.1. Write it down and look it up. I could be really mean and not tell you. But Ephesians 5.1 says this. Imitate Christ. You are image bearers of Jesus Christ, Dustin. You are image bearers, Linda, of Jesus Christ. You are his face. And we know the face by the love of Christ that's been poured into our hearts by the Spirit. When we do the one another's, we are the reflection of Jesus Christ. That's it. And we struggle with it. So healthy relationships 101, we cannot fully do the one another's. Should be on the screen. Healthy relationships 101, we cannot do the one another's fully. Once a week on Sunday morning, a few hours a week sitting in this auditorium. Ouch. It's true. Guys, this is true. Hear my heart. This is important, and this is all good, and this is wonderful, and God is being elevated to the highest place. Jesus says, when I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. God is honored in the local church. But if we stay here, and this is all we do, we have missed it completely. 
Thank you. Praise God. Granted, Sunday morning is an incredible opportunity for our guest experience. If you're a believer in Christ, this guest experience is not for you. It's done by you. We worship with one another. We love one another. What can you really get? How much depth can you really honestly get with two hours? And an hour and 20 minutes of that is you sitting here listening to me talk. Now, we can serve our guests when they feel the love of Christ and we accept them for who we are and we serve them with coffee. We serve them with a hug and an embrace. Are you in the guest ministry? Or are you just coming on Sunday? Where's your skin in the game? And there's another place where we can really do the one another's and it's back there. We almost had to cancel preschool today because we didn't have enough volunteers. And we kept it going because the fourth and fifth graders are leading the preschoolers. Where are you guys? We need you. It's because we're called to love God. And we're called to do the horizontal. You cannot do the horizontal by just coming on Sunday morning and feeding yourselves and then doing nothing about it. You can't. You can't do the one another's that way. We weren't created that way. And church, we're growing. God is doing great things. But we have maybe, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to extend the number, maybe 20 parking spots left on Sunday morning. What if we need to go to two services? Who's going to help serve one another? We are the body of Christ, and Jesus says, they will know you are mine by your love for one another. I love you. So if you are only focused on serving and feeding you, you your experience of God will be ultra-limited. We say, come to the altar, and we say, God, I want more of you. You know what he's saying? Give more of you to someone else, and you will experience more of me. It's as simple as that. And so I want to ask you a question. Where are you willing to love God and love others and show undeserved compassion and kindness for the well-being of someone else because you love God? And where are we as a church when guests come in? Where are we as a church going to show the love of Christ by how we're serving our kids? I would love it if the schedule was full every week of leaders who just were waiting to get in there to serve our kids. It's the one and others. Got to get the vertical and then the horizontal. But here's the thing. We cannot do the one and others as the body of Christ on Sunday morning alone. Monday through Saturday is waiting for the church to leave the gathering place, the holy place, the building, and start loving one another and giving themselves to one another. That is how we're going to find revival. That is how we're going to find real people, finding real hope, experiencing real change, igniting revival. That's where it's going to be. And so here at Elevation... We want you to get out of the building. Sunday morning, two hours is not enough to be lovers of Christ and lovers of others. And so we have 222 groups. We're growing by the week. We have gender-based groups. We have family groups, and we have themed groups. I'm going to challenge. Uh, would you pass those clipboards around? I want to fill these up. 
not because of a program, but you need to do the one another's. If you, need, if you want to be a true follower of Christ, you need to be living in community with one another. If you have it, great. If it's not with Elevation Community Church, great. Find a group of believers to love one another, encourage one another, and serve one another, and watch Christ come and blow the roof off the place. But our 222 groups meet almost every day of the week. You need to plug in to community and love one another. And guys, celebrate recovery. If you have any hurts in your life, which we're going to find out in a couple weeks on unforgiveness, if you have any hurts in your life and you have any habits that you know are not in alignment with Christ, and you have hang-ups that are keeping you from this, celebrate recovery is a have-to on your schedule. Celebrate recovery is a priority you need to make because it's the one anothering one another. Can I get Celebrate Recovery team to say amen? That's what it's about. That's what it's about. So as the worship team comes on up, I want to say this. We're having a prayer gathering next Wednesday. That's another option. Yes, it's in a gathering place. But we're going to pray for our community. We're going to pray for our leaders. We're going to pray for our nation. We're going to pray together. We do this the first Wednesday of every month. Come and join us. And let's get the vertical right. And let's start one anothering one another. And before you tune me out, can I say this? When we get this right, when we get this right, guys, there is nothing like it. There is nothing like it. You won't have to prioritize church and outreach in your calendar because it will be so important to you that it will be the first thing that goes on your calendar. There's nothing like the body of Christ operating in the vertical, in the horizontal. Nothing like it. And that's what Christ died for. So here at Elevation Community Church, let's not let that be in vain. And please know I'm not coming down on a hard hand or even a tone of frustration because you guys love people. I have never heard anyone come in these doors and say they didn't feel loved or served. All I'm saying is it's, it can't stop here. It can't stop here. We have got to do the one another's and we have got to make that the priority of our lives. Would you pray, for, pray with me? There is power in your name, Lord Jesus. To even now, to break every chain of those hindrances, that, those lies that we have believed, the sins we have committed and have not asked for forgiveness for, keep us from the one another in one another and forgive us, God. Forgive us for our, our lack of love and our disobedience to you. We want to love you with all of our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. And Father, we know that when we do, the loving one another's is just part of our lifestyle. And so Lord, as we worship you even now, the altar is open. If anyone wants to come and bow and kneel, and anyone who wants prayer or to talk with me or one of the pastors, please make this time available. Let's get our alignment right and let's start repenting 
for the horizontal being ignored and overlooked and refused for way too long. In Jesus' name, amen.